Welcome back to one-on-one, -on -one, New York's longest-running sports call-in show. Special guest, you see him on the NBA, on ESPN, WNBA. He has the opening doubleheader today on ESPN as well. Also, Nets on Yes and Yankees on Yes. And the R2C2 podcast with CC Sabathia. It's a proud WFUV sports alum, Ryan Rucco. Ryan, thanks for being with us. Yeah, you got it, Emmanuel. Good to be with you, man. Uh, congratulations uh, to you and Andrew as you wind down your senior years here, man. Appreciate it, Ryan. Let's start with where you're at right now. Season opening doubleheader for the WNBA on ESPN. H how special has it been for you to, to watch the growth of this league and be part of the quarter century mark as the league embarks on this season? You know, it's been incredibly important, um, and uh, and and it's just been an honor to to get to be a part of it. I, um, you know, when I was first offered the job to do WNBA, I didn't know much about the league, and I didn't realize how I was going to fall in love with it, and I didn't realize how great the basketball was and how competitive the league was, and and I learned very quickly, and um, and I also learned that these women, I think. They understand the value of the television partnership. So it does feel like a, a really, um, you know, cohesive relationship between, you know, the broadcasters, the rights holders and the, and the players and the teams. Um, and, uh, and that's something that I, uh, I think is, just makes it feel like a communal experience, um, which I love. But the league is awesome, man. The league is great. There's only 144 roster spots. And, and this year there's even less because teams are in a lot of cases only taking 11 players instead of 12 because of salary cap restrictions. So it's the most competitive professional league to make in our country. And I, I think because of that, and because now you also have um, a generation that's grown up seeing the WNBA as an option, you know, the talent is getting better and better, but the roster spots haven't necessarily opened up, but that means the teams are, you know, closer and closer in ability. Um, and it's just a bunch of great teams going at it for a wide open field of competition. Um, so I, I just, I love being a part of the league. It's been an honor to call championships. This will be my ninth season calling games for the WNBA. And, and, uh, and I think, you know, there's been some really good momentum behind the league as well. And Ryan, when you think about opening night in the WNBA, Sabrina Ionescu hits that huge three to beat the fever uh, stopwatch gate between Minnesota and Phoenix after Diana Taurasi hits that late shot. And then how about the Dallas Wings? They beat the Sparks by 23. Just for you personally as a fan, what are you most excited for this season? Yeah, I mean, I think that was the perfect opening game because, I mean, opening night because there was this momentum going into the start of this season, right, that felt a, a little expanded from years past and you want to have then something to help spur it further. And we got that with the, the way the season started uh, yesterday with those just, you know, in, insane finishes and, and stars, uh, you know, with, with great shots. But, you know, I think that I, I'm, I'm really excited about how wide open the field is, but that's a generic answer. So I'll give you a few more specific storylines. You know, for Vegas, they get back Kelsey Plum and they get back Liz Cambage. Uh, they went to the finals last year without them. Now, Angel McCautry just tore her ACL, so she's going to be out for the season. But Kelsey Plum was a first pick a couple of years ago. You guys remember she was a star at Washington in college. Um, and she had kind of gotten off to a slow start in her WNBA career. But in 2019, she exploded in the playoffs. 
and looked like a real force. And then she tore her Achilles. Um, and she's probably going to be an option for USA basketball as well. Her coming back with Vegas also getting Chelsea Gray, who's been a champion with the Sparks, and then getting Liz Cambage back, who's about as dominant a low-post president as there is in the league. I think they're going to be really fun to watch, and I'm interested to see how they meld all that talent. Seeing Candace Parker in Chicago, along with how Diamond DeShields bounces back from injury, really curious to see there because I think they could be a championship threat. Uh, Seattle, you know, Brianna Stewart is the best player in the world. Uh, is that enough? You know, they lost some key pieces. And is it Sue Bird's last year? Is it Diana Taurasi's last year? Then I, I really think seeing how Ari McDonald plays after her incredible NCAA tournament uh, now that she's in Atlanta. And probably the storyline that I think will end up being the biggest in the league is Sabrina Ionescu. And what does her true rookie season look like after we were, you know, only treated to two and a half games last year? Ryan Rucco stopping by on one-on-one. -on -one. Ryan, NBA, you've been around the league this year, seen all the great talent and also been closely around the Nets who have their big three back this weekend for the first time in, in quite some time. If I were to give you the sentence, the Nets will win the finals if, what do you think is the big X factor there? If Harden, Duran, and Irving are healthy. Uh, I really believe if those three players are healthy, the Nets will win the finals. It's just so hard to stop talent like that in those tight late game situations. And in the finals, in the playoffs, look, you need to be able to defend. You need to be able to get stops. But you got to be able to put it in the hoop. You got to have people you can just give the ball to and go get a bucket. And I think that, you know, when I think about watching the NBA so closely over the years and calling games and what's been the separating factor late in close games, more often than not, it's which team has more guys you can just give the ball to and say, go get a bucket. Now, there are some exceptions, right? There are exceptions to that. And Utah may end up being the team that blows it all up because maybe it's like, hey, they have Conley, they have Bogdanovich, they have Mitchell in that role, and then they also have the defense with Gobert and the rest. But I just think, that, you know, first of all, Harden turns everybody in the floor into a threat, as my old co-host Robin Lumbricks likes, likes to say, and you could see it with Nicholas Claxton and what, what he looks like with or without Harden. You know, just um, the way he makes guys better is just ridiculous. He's been the best player in the NBA this season when he's been on the floor with the Nets, no question about it. And I, I just truly believe because of that, if those guys are healthy, I think they're just going to be too much for anyone else to handle. I think there's a chance that they could win if one of the three went down. Um, not Harden. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, Harden would have to be healthy. But I, but, but I, it'd be dicey. It would be dicey because, you know, they, they really are built on those guys. But, but they, they do have good complementary pieces as well. More than any, uh, anything else, though, those three stay healthy. Nets will win the championship is what I believe. Yeah, and Ryan, Saturday will mark only the eighth time that that trio of Durant, Irving, and Harden will have played on the court. I think the last time was back in mid-February against the Warriors. H how much stock do you take into maybe some of the, the, the criticism or maybe some of the trepidation that some have that, that Harden, Durant, and Irvin haven't played enough time on the floor together to really make that run and win the finals this year. Yeah, I don't think it's going to matter. I understand it, but I just don't think it's going to matter because 
you know, they haven't played together at all. And then when they did, they looked amazing, you know, in the very small sample size that we had. Um, you know, I think that probably their biggest issues, I think, are going to be at times if they build leads, they get careless with the basketball or they sort of get careless defensively. I think probably because subconsciously they know they're talented enough to score whenever they want and come back. But in the playoffs, you can't do that. You have to have the defensive intensity and focus. I think, you know, uh, Bruce Brown helps them a lot in that regard. Uh, he really elevates the level of play when he's on the floor on that end. I think Blake Griffin elevates the level of play on that end with the way he's sacrificing his body, leading the league in charges and the way the Nets have led the league in charges since he's joined them. Um, but I don't worry about the time they haven't spent together because they're just so talented and, and they're so smart. All three of them are ridiculously smart basketball players. So they pick things up quickly. They know how to play off each other just sort of instinctively because of that. And, you know, I, and it's, it, it would have been nice to have a runway, but if you're the Nets, you know, you hope that by the time you get to the finals, you'll have had some series uh, where they're together and you, you've been able to sort of learn some of the things that maybe you would have been able to learn in the regular season. You're just doing it with higher stakes. Yeah, and Ryan, I definitely want to get your thoughts moving over to the Diamond and to the New York Yankees and, and their up and down roller coaster season so far. Uh, just in your opinion, I mean, this Yankees offense, obviously, last night, Gio Urshela has a huge homer to put them up. He fought throughout that entire at-bat. But this offense hasn't been what a lot of people expected. Just for you, do you think it's a product of the fact that nobody's really hitting around the league? Yeah. And pitching is just, uh, you know, maybe the balls are uh, com compromised at some point. But, but for you, what do you think really is the reason why this Yankees offense hasn't been what everyone thought it'd be coming into this season? I definitely think you know, you have to look at the offense being down across the league and understand the Yankees fit into that. They're, they're a team in the league. And, and so, you know, I, I certainly think that deserves more exploration because the offense is just woeful uh, across Major League Baseball right now when you look at it historically. Um, and I think that Major League Baseball is open-minded to figuring out how to alter that, uh, which is good because I, I don't think it's good for the sport uh, to have such a lack of offense and who knows maybe there was an overcompensation with the baseballs but that definitely needs to be examined so some of it's that and you know some of it probably is also needing some sort of infusion of an athletic uh average base hitter in their lineup you know the Yankees have a lot of similar type of guys in their lineup and I don't think they have a ton of athleticism not that that's necessary in a skill-based game like baseball, but I do think it helps. And I especially think it helps when you're talking about guys slumping. So, I mean, I do think if Trevor's story became available, which he should be at, you know, as we get, you know, closer to the trade deadline, I do think he would be the right kind of fit for the Yankees and sort of serving two needs. And I don't know what he would cost, um, but I think if you're the Yankees, you should be in a very win-now mode. And pretty much any prospect other than Jason Dominguez, I think, would be on the table if you're the Yankees uh, and you're trying to, you know, shore up what you've already invested in Cole uh, and the rest of this team. But, you know, I think more or less, if you look, if you look at the Yankees, right, Judge is kind of doing his thing. Stan has now done his thing. Um, and then, you know, Glaber not being as, I know he's starting to get the average going, but not being as productive as he he has been as far as uh, the power goes and Hicks 
Um, those have been big issues. I do think Voight's going to help the offense. I do. Uh, and so I'm curious to see how that manifests. But, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely something a little missing from their offense in addition to offense being down across the league. One more question for Ryan Rucco here on One on One. We had Mike Breen on the show earlier tonight. He's going into the Basketball Hall of Fame, Kirk Gowdy Media Award as a proud WFUV sports alum like yourself, someone who has had so much interaction with Mike. What has Mike Breen meant to you personally? He, he's meant so much to me. Uh, you know, there are three or four different moments I immediately think of when I think of Mike and how he's impacted me in my life beyond just the steady cadence of his friendship and support, I can think of truly confidence-boosting, impactful moments uh, from Mike specifically. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll share a few with you. Um, first of all, you know, I can think about him being uh, at WFUV when I was there um, in, I think it was my junior year, he came in to do a workshop. He did multiple workshops while I was in college, but I think the first one was my junior year. It might've been my sophomore year. And he said, you know, you know, actually it's funny. I have my boards in front of me for, uh, for WNBA today. And he said, you know, and he was looking at boards and he said, you, you only use about 10 to 15% of this each game. You only use about 10 to 15% of what you prepare, but you never know what 10 to 15%. So you have to have it all. And it's so true because, you know, you may think, okay, this is going to be all about Sue Bird and Liz Cambage and Asia Wilson, the reigning MVP. But, you know, if Raquana Williams goes off, you got to have this stuff there, you know, or if, or if Stephanie Talbot gets hurt, you got to be able to talk about, it, right. Or, you know, if Bruce Brown goes nuts, I, I need to have stuff on him, not just stuff on Joe Harris and, and Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin, and Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, right? And, and, and Mike really drove home that lesson, I think, in it with a really poignant analogy um, and, and uh, explanation. And then I can think of, uh, I, I just graduated, and I was hosting, like, Fordham did some version of Midnight Madness, you know, uh, for our basketball program, and I was hosting it. And um, Mike... During, while I was in the middle of it hosting, and I felt like I was doing a really good job, Mike was there, like, as some honor, you know, he, he had, like, a courtside seat for it, and he, 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 he pulled me over at one point when I had, like, teed up a contest or something. He's like, Ryan, Ryan, go. And I'm like, yeah. And I, I go over to him. He's like, you are doing an effing, he said the actual word, amazing job, man. And I was like, thank you. He was like, seriously, you're effing crushing it. Um, and am I might even allowed to say effing on this? I don't know, but yeah, uh, but he, and, and, uh, and I was just like, I was like, thanks, man. It instilled me with such confidence. Um, then I could think of a few years back, it was 2017. I had a game, uh, in Oklahoma city and, um, Mike happened to be there with the Knicks and I was there for NBA on ESPN and the Knicks were like staying over a night. And so we happened to be in the same city at the same time, never happened. So we went to dinner with Kenny Wolf, uh, who's an all-time great producer. And uh, after dinner, we're walking back into the hotel and Mike pulls me aside and he says, hey, I just want to tell you, you are doing such an unbelievable job. You sound so great. And everybody I talk to, producers, directors, crew, 
they love working with you and they talk about what a great teammate you are. And I just want you to know how important that is and that everybody's noticing your work. And I was like, you know, wow, thank you. Thank you, Mike. And look at 2017, I, in 2017, I was uh, well-established at that point, but it still means something. And it means more when it comes from someone like Mike and for him to take the time to do that. You know, you guys have seen and will see you need those little building blocks of confidence in your career to continue to make you grow. And in a business where you're constantly exposing yourself and your work to the opinions of others, it's important to have those you respect give you that sort of confidence um, foundational uh, pieces. And Mike has done that multiple times. And so even in 2017, when he did that, that really hit with me. And was another sort of, you know, boost of wind in my sail. And then I'll give you one more. And I know this is a long answer, but I think it's just interesting to hear the specifics because of the way Mike has impacted me from the time I was 19 till now at 34. Uh, it was actually the night before I was getting engaged. I just called a game in Minnesota. It was a really good game. I called it with Doris Burke and Tom Rinaldi. And um, I... I was sitting there, we're sitting in the hotel bar of the Lowe's hotel there in Minnesota. And I get a text from Mike and I still have it saved. Um, and he just said, he was like, Ryan, he was like, listening to you tonight, it just struck me what command you have over the broadcast. He's like, you've always had the talent and the passion, the preparation. It's like, but now you have total and complete command over the broadcast. It's amazing to watch. And I'm so proud of you. And again, for me, that's something I still think about, like, because Mike's opinion means so much to me. And it's like him acknowledging that helps give me confidence. And even if I'm in a place where it's like, okay, I know I'm good. I know I'm prepared. I know I'm experienced. We all still need those attaboys, you know? And when they come from a place like Mike, they're so meaningful. And so he has constantly given me the energy and confidence to keep going. And he's done that while being an amazing friend. Now we bond over wine. We use the same wine guy, Matthew Conway, uh, who curates selections for us. Um, and he, he's been there, you know, when we've talked about WFUV in the station and the way that sometimes uh, the bosses at our station and don't edit this out, they don't properly appreciate the contributions of WFUV sports. Uh, I think they, they don't realize that the most visible and vocal alumni are from the sports department. Do you hear that? They're from the sports department. And so Mike and I have had many conversations about how we can try and make sure to make an impact on the station so that, you know, you all continue to have the opportunities and the students after you continue to have the opportunities that we had um, that are important to have. And, um, and Mike's always been there, you know, at a drop of a hat for a conversation like that as well. And he's so engaged and active. And so this is a long answer, but it's just, it's, it's my way of trying to give you some detail around what an amazing man Mike Breen is, what an incredible teammate, what an incredible mentor, supporter, friend. And this doesn't include him being one of the greatest play-by-play -play broadcasters of all time and as good an NBA play-by-play -play broadcaster as we've ever had and as there's ever been. So Hall of Fame sounds about right for Mike Green as far as I'm concerned. 
Oh, it's an amazing reflection. That's Ryan Rucco, Nets and Yankees on Yes, NBA and WNBA on ESPN. WFUV Sports, class of 2008. Ryan, we appreciate you making time for the show tonight. And as a senior class, like you mentioned, we appreciate everything you do for, for FUV Sports. Thanks, Ryan. Ha you got it, guys. Happy to be there for you and continued success to you guys. Uh, you know I'm all any uh, phone call away, an email away, always for my WFUV guys.